this is episode two. Today, we're going to discuss the new world of work. We're going to talk about how we can predict the future. It's impossible to make everyone happy. Halloween contests and Boston public transit or otherwise known as sardine cans. Today, we're going to be discussing the new world of work, which is a broad phrase, um, but I'm going to hand it over to you, Keith, so you can tell us a little bit about what this is that we're going to be covering today. Well, uh, the whole idea of the new world of work came from uh, the COVID-19 crisis, because as we all know, uh, COVID-19 basically forced many businesses, almost all of them, into a new setup that was very, very unfamiliar to them. And a big part of that is remote work. So, um, yeah, we did a survey on that to find out, to understand that in a little bit at a deeper level. Which is good because I, I think the survey went out back in June. And at that time, it I was still talking to people about coming back to the office in September. And it felt like everything still might be okay. Uh, so doing this survey was so interesting just to me to figure out, like, not even just at Workable, but all over America, all over the EU, what's going on in people's heads. So who kind of like who were the people who you surveyed and, and what kind of companies and like areas were they from? We basically put all the survey to everyone and the bulk of the responses came from people who are in HR in, in the United States, in the UK. And uh, there was quite a few from the APAC region and uh, some from Oceania, like stuff like um, New Zealand and Australia and that kind of thing. But the bulk of them were HR people, some business owners, some managers, directors from generally Europe and North America. So uh, it's interesting you're saying that we did the survey in June thinking we were going to go back to work in September. That was actually the original intent of the survey. We wanted to find out what people were expecting going forward. Like, when do you think we will return to some kind of a normal? Or when are we going to go back to the office? If we do, and so on. And we were hoping to get some definitive data about that. And we didn't. The answers were all over the place. It was crazy. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's like, it hurts to think back to that time of like holding on to optimism. And I feel like I'm in the point now where I've seen this data. I've talked to a ton of people in recruitment, a ton of people just who are, I mean, working in general and people who are still remote, people who have to be in person, like the future is truly, truly uncertain. But I love this report because it at least gave us insight into how people are reacting and how businesses are changing. Like how many people are actually going to stay remote for long-term and how many people are completely changing their hiring or onboarding processes and what are the major things that people are struggling with? Cause that kind of shows us what's going to be changing. And I think it came at the right time because it finally gave us kind of like a few blueprints and just a place to start, to start thinking about the future in a different way where it's not, we're thinking about the future in a way of how we're going to get through 2020 and then come back to an office space and kind of rebuild. It's we're thinking about the future in a way that it's going to look completely different and it's not going to look the same for everybody. 
And even though we don't have all of the answers right now, we can at least talk about what it's looking like across the map for different people and try to figure out a way to find some common ground and help each other out with a lot of these, these challenges. So yeah, I thought, I thought it was perfect timing and we've had a ton of interest in this report. Uh, we even did a workshop on it this week and we had some roundtable discussions around the data that we found. And it's so interesting now in September of 2020 hearing how it's kind of still the same, but people are doing a lot to kind of figure out solutions to these challenges. And it's there, it's widespread. Some people are struggling with onboarding. Some people are saying it's even better than it was now than it was back in the office. And then some people are struggling with recruiting. Some people are doing amazing. Like it's just not the same. So it's cool to see how widespread this is. I think that's uh, the big part of it is um in the beginning, in June, July, whatever, it was because of all that uncertainty, people looked at it like an earthquake, a sea earthquake. Uh, the first thing people try to do is recover in their sort of repair and recover and try to return to return to office, basically return to normal and all that. But yeah, like you said, you know, in September, we're now in a position where we are looking at this saying, you know, the recovery and going back to what it was before and all that, it's just doesn't make any sense anymore. No. Nope. <laughs> this is it. This is where we are now. This is how it's going to be going forward. So we should adapt to this new world somehow. So how do we do it? And that became a real focus during the workshop, I think. Yeah, it did. And now, Keith, can you show me some of the numbers that you saw? Because I know that we saw a lot of interesting stuff that kind of opened up that conversation. So yeah, let's talk a little bit about how many people are are going remote for the future? How many people are at least going remote temporarily? Like what happened to the hiring industry? Like what's going on? Well, basically uh, the, the biggest number for the report is that remote work would be a major paradigm shift going forward. Mm-hmm. And 71% of the people who responded said that, that was going to be the case. Yep. Basically, this is it. We're going remote. It's probably going to be permanent. And if not permanent, it will be just a standard for a lot of people. Uh, like I said before, people were skeptical about it before. People won't be as productive. It will be harder to manage people when they're remote and all these kind of things. Mm-hmm. And now people are saying, you know, we just have to accept the fact that it will stay remote. That was the, the biggest number. Yeah. Yeah. That came up in the workshop that we did this week. And I had a couple of people at my roundtable and I even, I spoke with the other roundtable leaders afterwards around the kind of common themes we saw. And the biggest common theme was that, yes, we all agree remote work is staying here. It's not going anywhere, but a lot of companies are sort of stalling around making some real decisions for the future. We had a couple people in my group who were staying remote now, but weren't ready to make the huge jump of this is going to be a remote for everything. And a huge reason for that is because people who are working have such divided feelings. There are people who truly feel like they need to be in an office and they will look for a different job if their company goes fully remote and they won't ever have the opportunity to work in an office again. 
And then there's also people who really dig working remote and it works for them and they can't even imagine having to go back to an office and they'll be looking for a different job that can be fully remote if their company is going to go back. So I think that puts business leaders in a tough position of how you make everybody happy. How do you appeal to all candidates when even when you say, you know, in a year or so, we're going to have some sort of flexible environment. We're not anywhere close, at least here in Boston, to the point that we can start offering that realistically. So we don't actually know what that's going to look like or how it's going to work, having some people in an office and having some people remote. So it's a difficult place to be, especially when you're in HR or hiring to kind of talk about <laughs> what your company is doing and, and appeal to everybody and make everybody happy. And it's just such a difficult, difficult place for these people to be in. And, you know, we, we see this every day here at Workable too. There's definitely people who want to be in the office. There's definitely people who want to be remote. Um, so I think we can predict right now what the future is going to look like in that way. But I do think that we're going to see some sort of, you know, second major shift maybe a year from now. What do you think? I think so. You know what? It was impossible to make everybody happy before. <laughs> I mean, that part hasn't changed. You're never no, going to totally. make 100% happy 100% of the time, right? Yeah. No, I mean, that doesn't happen. Totally. But yeah, it's just that uh, the different people are going to be happy now in this new setup than before. And we're struggling to sort of adapt to that and try to appeal to these new people or those people who have now become unhappy in this new remote environment, we've never had to make them happy before because they were happy already. And now they're unhappy. We have to try and fix it for them. So that's just all part of that adaptation. We are trying to adapt to this new environment. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but I think definitely... Um, one of the big ones, I'm speaking from my own experience as, as a parent, the, uh, this whole new world, it's not just about remote work, it's also everything has changed. You know, schools are going remote. The, uh, the way we consume our media is remote. We're not going to the movies anymore. We're watching mm -hmm. Netflix at home. Um, the way we get our food, we're getting it delivered to us. Or we do curbside pickup. Like everything we do is different now than it used to be before, right? Mm -hmm. And as a parent, I've got two kids. They're at home. I've got to be responsible for them somehow. So I have to somehow expect that I have an option to be able to take care of them as well as work. In yeah. the old world, couldn't do that. No. No, in the new world, people are going to have to adapt to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of how a lot of the conversations we had with the HRTA community, webinars and interviews, were talking about taking processes that already existed before COVID and just kind of making them remote and using that efficiency you already had in this remote world. But truly, all of this is stuff we had never thought we would have to figure out. And there's no playbook. Like, there's nothing that we can look back to and say, let's just put this in the new world. We have to think about going about this in a new way, like putting new policies in place, reforming your company culture and, and figuring that out. But I think that topic is a really good segue into talking about company culture, candidate engagement, employee engagement, because I know we had some numbers around that. 
Can you share a little bit about what that's looking like in the report? Well, about candidate engagement, what I figured out from people's responses was candidates from a recruiter in HR perspective. We asked them what they thought would become more important in the eyes of candidates going forward. And by for the having the option to be flexible in work and having job security would become more important going forward. So the job security part is obvious because we're in a very shaky economy. You know, people want to be want to make sure they have a job and they want to be able to rely on it. Uh, the flexible part, that kind of goes Makes back sense. to the yeah. idea as a parent and all that. But yeah, like you said, there's no playbook. There's no precedent for this. We have nothing to draw from saying, oh, here's the book. Let's bring out the book. Oh, this is what we're supposed to do. We have nothing like it. So. Yeah, no, it's it's a struggle all across the board. And in these workshops, it's it, it was nice because we were able to kind of share some solutions that people are looking at. And when it comes to like in candidate engagement, employee engagement, it seemed like pretty much across the board, unless I think we had the postal service, um, like the Royal Postal Service in one of our workshops, they're not going to be able to offer a whole lot of flexibility right now. But for the most part, companies that can will. And I mean, in the Royal Postal Service, it's kind of an interesting situation they're in because those jobs are more important than ever since people are home and this is a way that we can kind of communicate with each other and receive packages. It's it's really important right now. So that's kind of a way that they're attracting candidates. But for these other companies that they're remote, people are going through a tough time. Like you said, the world isn't normal. There's a lot going on. Um, and I, I know we talked about this in the last episode is employee engagement and getting people together and creating kind of a company culture that came up a couple times in my round table when I think we were looking at the graph where we had asked um, respondents what, what is their biggest challenges now that they've gone remote. So like remote hiring is up there, remote onboarding is up there. Uh, employee engagement was right up there as well. Cause it's so, so absolutely difficult. And it, goes off of onboarding, which is why it came into that conversation, but even more so the employees that you already had in your company, how do you keep them engaged? And we can go back to what we talked about too, with me being on social committee and trying to create these programs. And it's such an impossible task. Somebody in my round table literally said, if somebody can figure out how to engage people when we're all on computers, wherever in the world, and we're not in the office together, they're going to be a billionaire. And they really will because there's a ton of stuff out there. There's remote escape rooms. There's, you can do happy hours remotely. Um, We're looking right now at doing maybe a Halloween contest and having like a runway and zoom. But for so many people, this is absolutely forced fun and it's going to be hit or miss. It's not going to be amazing. And even then, like just putting these programs together, isn't going to solve the employee engagement issue. It's wider. It's getting your employees kind of, revolved around a mission or having kind of like a culture that's around like I've seen a lot of companies kind of going towards like a mental health route and putting in really strong DEI programs because that's something that can unite employees and push everybody in the same direction toward doing something good and 
I, I think all of those are really creative, but it's so hard to find like the formula of how do we take our in-person company, go remote and make it engaging and personal. It's so difficult. And that for sure was something everybody was struggling with. Uh, also, one of the women in my um, roundtable, she heads up recruiting um, at a pretty large company. I think there were about 20,000 people. And she was sat next to the HR team. And she said those were like her friends in the office and they'd get lunch together. Um, She'd share about the people that she was recruiting for. Um, They'd kind of talk about like where they thought maybe they'd fit in the company, how the onboarding process was going to go. And they'd kind of just stay informed on both of those sides. But now in the remote environment, it's so difficult to try to create those meetups because one, our calendars are totally full. It's hard to figure out time that you can kind of fit that into and then also have time to do your actual heads down work. So that's a relationship that's being kind of lost right now um, where she doesn't have full insight into what's going on in the company or um, maybe how some teams are moving around or how they're doing in, in this kind of crisis time. So it's tough. Like that kind of stuff gets lost too. <laughs> I could go oh, on and on about it forever. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And you're speaking from your own experience, uh, being in uh, the social community. Yeah. And uh, I've touched on this theme that uh, our actual D2D work has not really changed. We can still do it. I can still create content. We can still do webinars. And you can do the social committee. People can still recruit. I mean, the work itself has not changed. It's just in a remote environment. It's just a different environment to do it. But the actual work stays the same. So what's actually missing in all that? Yeah. And yeah. that that was one of the questions you you we had posed in our workshop was, okay, so I, I think one of the graphs showed that recruiting, onboarding, employee engagement, training, all of that's really difficult in this new world. But technology was rated least. I think only 5% of respondents said that technology was an issue in them performing their tasks. So then the question was, if technology isn't the issue, what is the issue? And that's exactly what my roundtable kind of talked about was the issue is there's those little pieces that you're missing when you're with people. At least that's what it feels like. And something that I heard from one of my coworkers who was at a different roundtable was that they spoke to somebody who had a large enough team that actually tackled the remote onboarding process and made it a project of theirs. And I don't know the full story of how they made this better, but they claim that it's better than it was when it was in person. Their remote onboarding process is more efficient. They're getting higher feedback from candidates and employees are feeling really good and they're seeing good initial performance from the people that they're onboarding. And the biggest pieces that he took out of it was they're putting more like five-minute check-ins on with their managers because that's the kind of stuff that would naturally happen in the office. And they're also making sure that these people are getting one-on-ones early on with people that they may be interacting with further down the road. So even if I'm being hired on at Workable um, in my role, when I was hired on, I was doing events marketing and it didn't happen in the first few months, but at some point I need to start interfacing with different leaders in the sales organizations, um, different kind of senior, maybe AEs or, or people on the creative team. So it might not happen normally in the first three months, but this company wanted to make sure that there's some sort of 
either monthly, weekly, bi-weekly, one-on-one set up with these people so you can start building those relationships. Because in the office, these are probably the people that I end up going to lunch with or happy hours and kind of have those natural interactions where we get to know each other. And they want to encourage that to happen on a human level. So you're getting kind of like the work balance, the human balance, and you can build those relationships because that's also important in a work environment is it can't always be business, business, business. It's helpful to have that working relationship and, and it doesn't need to be a friendship, but at least you kind of know each other on a different level than just quick check-ins about the projects that you're working on. So I thought that was um, really effective. Made sense. Totally, totally. You need to have a human connection with the people you work with and they were not robots. Like uh, we're driven and uh, with why we are emotionally invested in our work. So uh, if, we, uh, if you go to a job and you don't really like your job and you don't really connect with anybody around you or whatever, it's hard to be motivated, it's hard to get excited when you get up in the morning and go to work. But if you like the people around you and you have a connection with them and you're able to be honest with them, if you disagree with something, then you really work towards a similar goal, have that sort of a team spirit idea. People work better and they're more motivated and more excited and driven. They stay, they get more engaged. And uh, of course, that's easy to do in an office when you have your... Um, you have been backing or you have a pool table on the side and you have a, a beer keg in the kitchen. We see this in a lot of software companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and now uh, we don't have that in the remote environment, but we are, as you are too, we're setting up uh, online games where we can get involved. And this is sort of like nice little icebreakers to help us become human with each other rather than just colleagues, you know? Yeah, which is important yeah. for the the work, like the projects you're doing is, you know, I'm, I'm going to feel a little bit more nervous and reserved around the people that I don't interface with much. So that's going to, it might hinder a project if it ever comes up, if I don't know who those people are. So yeah, I think, I thought that was interesting. You know, I know onboarding was the last episode, but it it does go into this report and it does go into employee engagement, which I think was a big piece of what this report showed us was you know, with the future being so uncertain, remote is going to be a part of it at some level. And we're going to have to kind of figure out what that looks like. So going off of that, uh, so this report did not show us when we're going back to an office. Um, For a lot of us, we're not going back to an office. At least me at Workable, I've moved out of the city. I'm now an hour and 20 minutes from the office. If I do go back to an office at some point, it's maybe one day a week if I'm offered that flexible opportunity. Um, So can you tell me a bit about, you know, you've been through all these numbers. This is a long report. We literally only scratched the surface so far of what's in there. What would you say is like the main takeaways of what we can see for the future and kind of what you think the trends are going to be when it comes to HR and recruiting over the next year? Uh, Well, that's something we can't really answer in a single sentence. But (laughs) (laughs) like uh, there would definitely, there's no single answer. And um, there's no single answer here. However, um, 
the fact that we're going remote and uh, that technology is not going to be the issue. Um, the other thing was employee engagement. People are very, very concerned about that in the future. However, the future plays out employee engagement is a big thing. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, not that work becomes less important. But I think people are becoming a little more introspective about life, about like what's important to them in life. And maybe they don't want to go 24-7, gung-ho, work, 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 70 hours a week and all that. They're starting to realize what's really important in their lives. So um, that's a big that was a big thing in the survey. I think people are realizing um, that uh, having that flexibility to determine their priorities in life and in work, people will be needing that more and they will be expecting that more when they're looking for a job yeah. and interviewing for a job. They really want to see how can I fit this job into my life instead of how can I build my life around the job like we did before. It's not like the 1980s, everybody just going crazy. Right. right? So uh, I think that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's such an interesting underlying takeaway from this report because there's a lot of the obvious that we've talked about with you know the remote challenges and then company culture, but on the human level of what we're seeing, like, yes, I've seen this personally in myself. I've moved out of the city. I enjoyed the city, but I am more of a nature person and I like to be able to kind of stretch out. So that's going to be a priority for me in my life going forward is I don't want a job where I'm going to have to be locked to commuting in on a bus or a train. Um, and I think for a lot of people, just, you know, your work-life balance is changing. I sometimes can't believe that, I had such long commutes in my life that I did that every single day of the week. And I just went and went and went. I'm like, when did I have a break? So I think now that we've all experienced being able to be productive and, you know, have a bit more balance at at work, that's going to be a shift that maybe isn't so obvious right now, but it's, it's going to keep coming forward as time goes on. You know what, uh, on a personal level, I have been in situations where, you know how Boston is, Boston's uh, public transit, which is not the best one at nope. all. Um, <laughs> oh, it's great, isn't it? You don't like hour-long delays? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to put up at that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So uh, my personal experience is one day I remember waking up and having my laptop in my backpack because I was working from home the day before or something like that. And I went to the train and there was some sort of like, like this one hour long delays and there was a breakdown of the track. It's going to take forever to get to the office. And, and I was saying to those next two hours, I am going to be stressed out. I'm going to be packed onto the train with a whole bunch of other people like sardines. And I would get to work at say 10.30 and I'll be grumpy. I'll have missed a meeting already. I will not be able to focus on my job because I'm too pissed off, basically. And I would love to say, you know what? Why don't I just head back home and work at home instead today? 
Yeah. And unfortunately, I didn't have that option. And uh, what was interesting about that is, like, why do we need to be in the office? I know there's a lot of jobs. We need to be on site. There's a lot of work like that. Hospital, healthcare, uh, construction, manufacturing. And there's a lot of jobs when you do need to be on site. But in a position where you're working in software or you can work online, you really kind of wonder why do you need to be at the office? Why should we have to put up with this one hour twin wide there and then another hour coming back? That's almost a tenth of your entire day. Of your, all your 24 hours, you use up two of those hours just going to and from work. And you're often stressed out at the end of that commute. And that kind of burns up your energy. So what's the point? Really? Yeah. yeah. So I think a lot of people, I think we are, we had been uh, subscribing to the idea that you're expected to be at work at 9 a.m., that kind of thing. And it's a little less so now, but I think COVID has pushed us a little bit further to that direction where you're not expected to be physically at work. Yeah, so um, that's uh, that's what I think is interesting. I think uh, sometimes you need a, uh, a catalyst for a change, and COVID is our catalyst. Sometimes it needs to be forced before people see all what we fear would be a problem if everybody works from home turned out to be not as bad. The fears were unfounded, largely unfounded. People are still productive. In fact, some people became more productive as a result. I think we saw that in our own company. We're more productive than we were before. We're more, almost more motivated. So I think people are realizing that. Totally. Is this yeah. would this would never have happened if there wasn't some sort of catalyst. And it's unfortunate it had to be a tragedy like COVID-19. But yeah. it's it's crazy. I say all the time, like, if I if myself a year ago was to just wake up right now, I'd be like, what? I, I'm work. Everyone's working from home? Like, what happened? This yeah. was just never even on the radar. Like, it's not something you would think would ever happen. But here we are. It's changing. We're rolling with it. It's a work in progress, but this report is so interesting. So I know that we'll definitely link it in the podcast description so listeners can check it out. Like I said, we've only scratched the surface. So there's a ton more here across the board, not even just with you know hiring, but working in general and the future of what businesses will look like. So yeah, that's the that's the new world of work as much as we could figure out right now. Absolutely. Uh, you know, as for building connections, uh, we do have a new article on our site about how to build those connections uh, as part of your remote onboarding. So we're going to add a link to that too. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Well, I say that's probably a good place to leave off for today. And well, I think that brings us to it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And on the next episode, we're going to talk more about company culture. uh, But this time, we're going to bring you some actionable tips um, and kind of recipes we've learned for figuring this out. 
And in the meantime, head over to Workable site, like he said, and check out our vast resource library. We are constantly updating it uh, with new blogs, tutorials, interviews that we're doing, um, especially around what we've learned from this new world of work report. And of course, if you're looking for a better way to hire, especially in a remote environment, just reach out to us. We'd love to help you out.